It's going to take me a minute to get my oxygen back. You know, every time the word hallelujah is used, it's like rapture practice. You'd be like trying to see if it's time to go. That's what it means. Come on, Lord. We're ready. Well, if we're not ready, today will be a good opportunity. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. That's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Then Acts and then Romans. But John's Gospel, we have taken pert near. That's a good North Carolina word. Pert near two years getting to chapter 18 of John um, it takes a while doesn't it uh, but it's been a great study um, but this morning's study is going to be on one word well we're gonna ask the question what is truth I don't know if there is an any more pertinent study than what we're gonna go through this morning in the age that we live in and I know that any time you're doing something important, things are going to happen. My glasses broke about five minutes ago in my office. So I'm going to do my best to see. But God's still on the throne, isn't he? So why don't you stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. This is the revelation of God, not man's opinion. That's why we're coming at it the way we're coming at it. John 18, we're going to start reading in verse 28. When they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, it was early. They themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Who's this man? Jesus. They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. And the Jews said to him, But we are not permitted to put anyone to death. And to fulfill the words of Jesus which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on, on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king, Jesus answered. You say correctly that I am a king. For this reason I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone, how many? Everyone who hears is of the truth, hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release someone to you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Would you bow with me? 
Father God, we're embarking on something that is totally not in our realm to be able to do. That's to understand you. But Father, in your grace and in your mercy, you have given us your word that reveals yourself. But Father, even then, I can do no justice in explaining it. And Father, to be quite honest, we can't even open our ears or eyes to see or hear who you are. Only if your spirit does this. So Father, I pray right now that you would be honored and glorified in this sermon, but also that your spirit would have fertile ground to work in this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. We live in a day and age where people increasingly are coming to the point of thinking that there is no such thing as absolute truth which is an absolute truth in and of itself. At the beginning of every legitimate search for truth, the presupposition, I don't know what the truth is, has to be embraced. Do you understand that? If you don't start with the idea that I don't know the truth, then all you're doing is playing mental gymnastics. You're playing a game. You ever wonder why your little children, you know, you're telling a three-year-old, now, honey, don't go out in that road because the cars will run you over. What do they say? I know. How do you know you're three? We start at a very young age thinking that we know it all, don't we? Some of us never grow out of it. If you want to know the truth, you have to. First, come to the Lord saying, I don't know. I'm going to give you a definition of truth right off the front. You can write it down if you want. It's going to be up here on the screen. Let's bring it up. Truth is that which what? Seems right. Now, the world that we live in describes truth in three different terms. Here they are. Relative truth, pragmatic truth, or objective truth. You say, I ain't never heard of these before. Well, listen up and you can learn something today. You ready? I hope you brought your thinking cap because we got about three hours worth of work that we got to get done in an hour and a half. Well, I hope you brought a snack. No, I won't. Let's first, relative truth. This is rampant in our society that truth is relative. The balloon. It can be green for you. It can be red for you. Well, the bottom line is, that's not right. Relative truth means that contradictory truths can both be true. That I can both be Caucasian and African American at the same time and be purely one or the other. The, the idea that my car can be silver and black at the same time. It's interesting that no one ever applies relative truth in any other sphere except for morality and religion. Well, and we're getting to be politics, you know, that you can spend your way out of debt. It doesn't work in the government, it won't work in your morals, and it won't work in your relationship with God. 
Aren't you glad your doctor doesn't believe in relative truth? I know you got cancer, but we're just going to not treat it. We're going to just act like you don't. Will that make you die any shorter amount of time? No. Truth is not relative. That's not reality. No matter how many mental gymnastics we want to do. But there's another. That truth is pragmatic. That means that whatever truth, if it works for you, that's great. People use this for church and religion. Meaning that if you are just so weak, if you are so mentally inept, that you need a God, that you need some kind of little church thing to help you get through the day, well, then that's good. That can be truth for you. There's a movie out right now called The Invention of Lying that brings out this worldview, really. If, if you want to watch it, there's some bad parts in it, but the whole movie is based on the fact that the only reason that every one of us don't get out a gun and blow our brains out is because we lie to ourselves just to help us get through the day. Now that is a very skeptical and cynical way to look at the world. Amen? Now, there's another view. I'm glad those two aren't the only ones. There's another view. That truth is objective, meaning it's absolute. It's outside of the realm of humans. Outside of the realm of our earth. It doesn't change. It is what it is. The balloon is red, whether you... Or I think that it's red. And I can say that the balloon is blue all day long. But it's red. And here's the facts. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Here is a definition. I want to read it to you. Christianity is not an escape system to avoid reality. Many, many people that profess Christ use Christ as an escape from reality. You can tell this by their prayers. All they ever pray is for God to get me out of the situation that I'm in. That is not Christianity. It is also not something to help you live above life or, you know, to redefine it. Christianity is the way that leads us to grasp what reality is. And by the grace of God, somehow navigate it. You say, well, I don't even believe that there is a God. Great. That's your option. But when we talk about truth, I want you to know something up front. You cannot know reality of Jesus Christ. You cannot know truth outside of the reality of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? There is no other way. Jesus said himself, I am the Here's the interesting thing, that people say, I will believe when I see. But actually, what we believe is what we see. You cannot prove what happened two minutes ago beyond any doubt. That's why our court system says you must prove something beyond reasonable doubt. But if you say, I've got to see everything, good luck with that. You see... Faith is in view. It's vital. You see, because what you believe is what truth is. And if truth is relative, it's only relative in our minds. Let me go on. Faith is only as good as the object 
that you are placing your faith in. Now, the world that we live in, faith is in me. I believe in me. I believe I can do it. I, the only problem with that is, if I believe I can beat a Mack truck, and I walk in front of a Mack truck, doesn't matter what I believe, does it? There are certain things that are true. If I'm on the Empire State Building and say, I don't believe in gravity, and I step off, did I disprove gravity? Well, I was sincere in my belief. We're going to go through three observations from this text about life. I want you to examine I'm not here to convince you of anything because I can't do it. If it's a matter of faith, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. So I will tell you, it's what's so dangerous with this whole idea today that we start with the premise that there is no God. When you start with the premise that there is no God, there is no way to see truth. It's dangerous. And we'll talk about it. First, are you ready? I'm going to challenge you today in your mind and your thinking. Number one, here it is. Let's bring up the first point. Other way. We're way off. We're not going to do the invitation right now, guys. Now, the first point, whether it gets up here in a minute. Accusing God is always a futile activity. Accusing God is always a futile activity. Are you with me? Don't worry about what's going on behind me. Because look, there's nothing Satan wants more than you not to listen to this. Keep going back, guys. Look, keep going. Keep one more. There you go. You give it all away. Come on. Here we go. Keep going. Here it is. Read this with me. Read it with me. Go ahead. Have you ever accused God? I have. I have. I mean, bad things happen. God, what in the Sam Hill are you doing? <laughs> you never done that? We never seem to blame God when good things happen. God, why'd you give me this raise? No, when I get the raise, it's all me. It's my performance at work. I was so good. Look at your text. Notice that the religious leaders cared more about the religious ritual than they did about murder. They didn't think at all about murdering the very son of God. They were worried about whether they were going to be clean and be able to take Passover. This attitude is pervasive. We're just worried about what other people see. We really don't want to know God, and we really don't care what we do in our personal lives. All we care about is that you think I'm good. And I would say this pervading attitude that there is no God stems from the hypocrisy of the church. That we say one thing and live another. And then when bad things happen, we just... Put it up to God. Well, guess what? It don't do any good to accuse God. They bring Jesus. 
they expected Pilate to just rubber stamp their accusation of Christ. Did he? No. He said, he said, well, what has this man done? Well, if he wasn't an evildoer, we wouldn't have delivered him to you. You see, they couldn't come and say, he's a blasphemer because blasphemy against Yahweh was not given the death penalty in the Roman Empire, oddly enough. Now, if you just said it against Caesar, it would have. It amused Pilate. It annoyed the Jews that they had to come to him. And he made them actually say it. Well, you know we can't kill anybody. Oh, he loved that. What? Say that one more time. You had to come to me? It's interesting. All the accusations and finger pointing that's going on, and I don't call Jesus Christ Jesus Christ here. I call him God because that's what he is. All the finger pointing to God didn't change one fact, and that's what in verse 32. All of this happened to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying what kind of death he was about to die. If the Jews had killed Jesus, they would have stoned him. But Jesus himself, in several passages, said this. John 3, this was in your quiet times. Today, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever, what? Believes in him might have eternal life. He's already told us that eternal life is knowing God. So if you want to know God and have a relationship with Him, you must first begin with belief. Not with sight, with belief. What you believe opens the door to what truth is. That's how we can get to the point that truth is relative. It begins not by sight, but it begins by faith. Now, I read this little quote this week. How about this? Man can certainly keep lying, but he cannot make truth falsehood. He can certainly rebel, but he can accomplish nothing that abolishes the plan of God. There it is. You can accuse God all day long. You can, Mary Esther was talking to me about something. She has a wonderful opportunity to witness to people as they come and bring their taxes in. One man was saying, God's just not fair. Are you, are you prepared to say that? I am. Aren't you glad he's not fair? This man was using it that, that God's been bad to him. I'm using it as that I deserve hell. Boy, I'm glad he ain't fair to me. I need some grace, Keith, and I need some, some mercy. That's what, that's what I need. That's, don't throw the book at me because I'm finished. Without Jesus, there is no truth. You may disagree with that. Jesus said, I am the... I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know truth? You must first begin with faith in Christ. You don't believe me? That's your choice. But know that that's the claim of God's word. Now, without truth, reality makes no sense. It makes no sense. Can you imagine if we lived our lives by whatever people think is right? 
we'll get to that in a moment. Here's the fact. You can accuse God. You can be like Adam. Adam did this, didn't he? He said, it's the woman you gave me. You can accuse God, can't you? But is he going to change anything? You can deny his existence. But facts remain facts. Here's the fact. Truth is outside the human scope. It's outside of the earthly realm. It points to God. Lying is not lying because lying is bad. Hear me out with this. I had someone tell me the other day, what if God lied? What if God said lying was okay? It's impossible. The reason lying is bad is because God is true. The reason the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments doesn't, they're not the Ten Commandments because that's the bad things to do. It's the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments because that's who God is. And to go against them is to rebel against God. The reason that the world works the way that it works is because of God. You say, I don't believe that. Well, you've got some very fun explaining to do. But I'll tell you this. When you start with the premise that there is no God, you get to some very crazy places. Like crystals piggybacking on other crystals. And big bangs and creation coming out of nothing. And what? None of these rules go. And this whole argument in our day and age that science is, it's not science. Science is I have a hypothesis. I prove the hypothesis and I repeat it over and over and over and over again. And then I come up with a fact. Well, you can't do that on what happened yesterday. So whether we want to mix the realms of philosophy and science, that's up to us. But know this, you cannot prove by the scientific method anything that happened yesterday or for the last two minutes. All you can do is give evidence to what happened, and then you must make a choice. So, accusing God is futile, but less, it's already been up. What is it? Okay, is it okay to question God? He actually invites it. But know that anytime you question God, it's really coming back to you. Look at the text. Jesus, he's, he's, he's asking Jesus, he's questioning his sovereignty, whether he is a king. But Pilate doesn't even really know what he's talking about. When Jesus starts saying, my kingdom's not of this earth, you know, if my kingdom was of this earth, my people would fight, he's really saying, this guy's nutso. But, look at verse 37. He says, so you are a king. Jesus says, yes, I am a king. For this reason I've been born. This is why I came to the world. To what? To testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, what? I want, I want to clear this up for you. Why did Jesus come? Don't answer it because we'll get all these whacked out. Jesus loves us as I know for the Bible tells me so. Jesus did not come to earth with the primary reason to save you. I thought that was just a quiet. That's an outcome. Where do you testify? In court. And Jesus is saying since Adam to present day, the whole world, the court is in session. What is on trial from Adam 
to now is truth. And Jesus said, I came for the mere fact of coming to testify to the truth. So there's only two sides. There's the truth, and then there's the lie. Adam and Eve bought into the lie. Instead of eating from the the tree of life where they could grow day by day in their walk with the Lord, no, they didn't want that. They wanted the knowledge of good and evil so they could be like God right off the bat. Anyone who is of the truth hears Jesus because Jesus said I am the you see why you keep bringing up Jesus I'm telling you why the Bible makes it clear that you cannot know the truth outside of surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ that's it I don't agree with that that's your choice it's the same choice that Pilate had but you notice what Pilate did he hears what Jesus say and, and then he says what what is truth? And notice what he did. He didn't wait for an answer, did he? He thought he already knew. Which is the problem that all of us are born with. We think we know what's right. And I'll tell you this. I grew up in church. It is the most difficult thing in the world for a person that is brought up in church to actually become a Christian. Here's why. At seven years old, I gave my life to Christ. As much as I knew, I did. But I had not come to the understanding that I didn't know it all. In order to become a Christian, you must come to the place. Matthew 5 says it's poor in spirit. The place of saying, I don't know what the truth is, but I'm desperately seeking to know what it is. And until you come to that place, there's no salvation. And I find this. Many people that grow up in church, they just try harder and do better. And That's not it. I'll tell you what. There's been a battle in my life. Crisis over what the truth is. And what my own sinful. That's been a crisis in my life since my teenage years, and I would say it's not over yet. And if you can sit here and tell me that you don't have any crisis problems with what your flesh desires and what the Spirit of God wants in your life, then I would say the Spirit of God is not there. But we can still dress it up every week. We can still come to church. We can talk behind people's backs and bless our heart. Did you see whole while the world's out there saying that ain't the church and i would agree there's only two sides there's truth and there's lies and you have to make a choice your initial choice is the easiest one that you will ever make it will get extremely more difficult after that i want to read some from job job 38 The life of Job is much of the time held up as what we all should be doing when we go through trials. But Job had some struggles, didn't he? Questioning God. It's interesting to me, if you want to read the whole chapter, chapter 38, read it. I'm going to just read you an excerpt. 
Job is complaining to God about his situation. He's got the pooch lip and the whiny britches on, is what I like to say. And here's what God says to him. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Really, it's a pretty way to say, who is talking that does not know anything? The more I learn, the less I know. You know, when I was a kid, I knew everything. God says, now gird up your loins like a man. <laughs> like God. He says, I'm going to ask you something. He says, he says I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you and you instruct me. How would you like that? You ready? Josh, God comes to you and says, look here, Josh, I'm going to shut up now. You go ahead and instruct me. Question number one, where were you when I created the world? Oh, everybody thinks they have the answer to this now. This is pertinent for the evolution debate right here. We can stand Richard Dawkins up here. We can stand Hawkins, anybody up here and say, where were you? When you're telling me authoritatively this is what happened in the foundation of the world, were you there? I'll tell you this, I wasn't there. So I don't know beyond any doubt. Now, I believe with everything that I am in what this word says. And I'm staking my life on it. But know that you are staking your life on whatever you are believing. But if anyone tells you that there's no doubt, there's no investigation, they're lying. You see, only the side of lies wants to put out that this is it. This is what you have to believe. This is it. They don't know. Neither do I. Now, there's evidence, isn't there? You better evaluate the evidence with all you are because there's consequences. You better question everything. But you know what? The Bible's awesome in that the more you question, the more God reveals himself. Now, if you start out with the premise that there is no God, you exit out of that little screen, and you never get to the point of understanding truth. Albert Camus said this, Truth, like light, blinds. Truth, like light, blinds. Lies, on the contrary, are a beautiful twilight that enhances So if you want nice, easy life, you want everything to be smooth, well, first of all, I don't know that that exists on planet Earth. If you believe that if you give your life to Christ, every day is going to be the 4th of July, and you're, you know, your cholesterol is going to come down, your wife's suddenly going to think you're the man, it's not going to happen. But if you want to know what reality is, it only comes through a walk with Jesus Christ. Pilate never understood the fact that he didn't know. And he wasn't willing to investigate. I'm not telling you to believe me today. What I'm telling you is investigate. Don't ask a question and walk away. That's not an investigation. That's a pronouncement that you are the in all and end all. You are not. 
And if you think at 40 years old like I am that I got the answers, the more I learn. And I bet I, I bet I could put my education up against anybody in this house. The more I learn, the less I know because there's a lot out there. But I'll tell you this. The more you question God's word, the more answers come. How about this? As scarce as truth is, the supply has always been in excess of the demand. Here's the fact. Questions of life that you ask, even of God, we all have them. Some of us are more honest about the questions. We all have them. Ask them. But realize that when you ask the questions, it's going to bring you to the point of crisis where you must choose sides. And there are only two sides. That's as simply as I can make it. The one side says, I am truth. The other side says, I am truth. So, you can either trust what one fills your fleshly desires, or you can go on a conquest and a search of truth. The Bible describes one as the broad road that leads to destruction. All the signs down the broad road that leads to destruction say truth. Or you can follow the narrow way that leads to self-denial. The signs on that say truth. But you've got to choose a side. Number one, it's futile to accuse God. You can accuse him all day long, but it's not going to change the facts. Two, questioning God always comes back to questioning you. But let's go to the third. Judging God always comes back to him judging you. Here's the kicker. I believe. And look, I, I have probably the most skeptical mind in this place. I ask questions. I'd done research. I wanted to know what the Bhagavad Gita said, so I read it. I wanted to know what the Quran said, so I read it. I... Don't use your laziness as a way to say that there is no truth. There's truth. And if you go out and honestly evaluate it, you will find that every time it brings you back. No other book describes who I am <laughs> in a clearer way. And it ain't good, I'll tell you that. Pilate comes to the understanding that Jesus is innocent. What do you do when someone's innocent as a judge? Right? Let him go. What does he do that? What does it say underneath the picture? Read it out loud, everyone. Pilate didn't get it. He knew that Jesus was innocent, but he knew if he went out there and said that he was innocent and let set him free, everybody would be mad at him. So he was willing to sacrifice Christ for his job. I mean, don't act like he's so out there, because many of you do the same thing every day. In less than 10 years after this, Pilate's career was dead, and so is he. He killed himself. I, I want to tell you that this skeptical attitude that nothing can be proven, that there is no truth, leads to one place. 
hopelessness. And, and you know, many of our young people are really enamored by this. But the longer you live your life by this faith, the more hollow it gets. And I realize that that seems very trite coming from me. So maybe you've got to go through it. Some of you are old here, and you ain't got it. You just living your life for you, putting the stamp of Christ on it. Here's the deal. If you're living your life with the idea in mind that judgment's coming one day, but God's going to judge by a subjective rule. If God's going to use, if I have the idea that God's going to use relative truth, or if God's going to use whatever worked for me, I'm going to be in big trouble when I get there and find out that he's judging by objective truth. And you say, well, I don't believe in judgment. Great. Great. It's not great at all. It's a choice you can make. But I would say it does not correspond with reality. Remember, truth is what corresponds with reality. Truth always provokes those that it does not convert. You realize that? Why? Because it's true. And it stands. Why do you want to talk about my mama like that? We always want to make it about something else because you cannot argue that it's a red balloon. You cannot argue that there's order in this world. You cannot argue with the fact that design points to a designer. You cannot avoid the fact that there was a beginning to this earth and everything about the laws of earth point that there will be an end. Global warming is going to happen, not the way that we are saying in the news. It's going to happen. I wonder, it's interesting, if you'll go through the Bible, and I'm almost done, and circle every time you see the word truth. Some of you are in the Truth Project. We're going to start this afternoon. You're the, this is just a teaser for you. If you go through the Bible and every time you see the word truth, you circle it. And you see how pertinent this is about the choice of life. There's either lies or the truth. And understanding, making my life, my life's goal is to find out what truth is. Now that's a life's goal. 2 Thessalonians, I'm going to just read one excerpt. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 11. It's going to be up here, small letters, but I'm going to read it. You listen. It's talking about the tribulation at this point, And it says, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will what? In order that they may be judged who did what? There's the two sides. It's giving it very plainly. There's truth and there's falsehood. Truth and lies. They did not believe in the truth, but took pleasure in... Now, that doesn't mean I took pleasure in raping and stealing and murdering. That's not it. Wickedness is doing what I want rather than what God wants. The Bible calls it lawlessness, calls it ungodliness, calls it wickedness. Anyway, they're synonymous. But, oh, aren't you glad for the buts in the Bible? But, we, 
He's talking to those that have surrendered their life to the Lord. Always give thanks to God for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through what? That sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ every day by the G.K. Chesterton, if you ever get to read him, you need to read him. He said this, Truth, of course, must of necessity be stranger than fiction. For we have made fiction to suit ourselves. You see, what some of you young people haven't figured out and some of you old people haven't figured out, the devil's slick. Oh, and what he says appeals to everything that I am in my natural fleshly. But what he doesn't tell you is the destination. Choices are made by faith, but the choices have consequences. There are only two sides, truth and lies. It's one thing for me to lie, right? How many of you have lied? Come on, tell me. Liars, if you didn't see it, raise your hand. Okay, okay. It's one thing to tell a lie. It's completely another thing to believe your own lie. And then stake your eternal destiny on that lie. That to me is the height of insanity. Here comes a quote. People say they love truth, but in reality, all they want is to believe that that which they love is true. This is you. In your flesh, this is you and this is me. I don't want to know the truth. What I do is want God to put the rubber stamp on what I love. And that ain't objective truth. But that is the fleshly sinful nature. And I'm going to read you a quote right now that is scary. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then give a point. Here's the quote by Os Guinness. And if this don't scare you, nothing does. Hell is nothing less than the truth known too late. I'm going to repeat that. Hell is nothing less than the truth known too late. reason I say that is, Ephesians 2 says, For this reason also God highly exalted Jesus, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I have gone to great pains today to show you what the truth is according to what the Bible says. Now, you must realize that there are very myriads of competing views of truth. What I have tried to put before you today is the biblical view of truth. Now, with everything that I am, I believe and I live my life according to it. I want to read this prayer that I wrote to you and see if you agree with it in your own life. I worship Jesus Christ, the Lord, as the foundation and summation of truth. 
and I am seeking after him. I am prepared to sacrifice the things dearest to me in pursuit of him. Even if the sacrifice demanded my physical life. I am prepared to give it. I hope that if the time comes, I am prepared to lay it down. Because I want to know him. And I do not want to play games. Truth is absolute. It is part of God, not part of man. We can only know truth if God has revealed it to us. So you got a choice. Either live the way that you were born, thinking you know it all, or humbling yourself before God and saying, God, I'm a wretch. I don't know the right thing to do. I don't know what's going to make my life successful. And surrendering it to Him. God's faithful, and he's patient. But his patience and his faithfulness are for your repentance. Would you bow with me? We're not going to have a normal invitation. I didn't have one in the first service, and I'm not going to have one now. We usually have the music playing and people coming forward. I don't know if there's anything more important for me to dwell on right now than this. So I'm going to just give you a few minutes to focus on the truth and what you're living your life by. What belief are you staking your life on? Not what you say you believe, but the way you live. Talk to God about it right now. Question Him. And remember, He's the judge. as we come before you. We thank you for your word. But God, I must admit that nearly everything the Bible tells me goes against what I think. But all that I am, I want to serve you. But it is a struggle every day. Father, I have these desires in me want to do what they want to do. And Father, I know that I am not alone in this. So we're coming before you right now asking you to work in and through us. Father, there's some here that aren't convinced of the truth. 
Father, I pray that you would bring them to the truth. Father, we would ask you to use any means to save death to bring us to the understanding of truth. We do need to ask forgiveness for saying that we are Christians and men and women of truth and living our life by lies. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for wanting our own happiness rather than your glory. Forgive us for using Christianity to get us out of our difficult circumstances. Father, we're giving you our lives. You take them, you break them. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. Our minister of announcements is not here. But the announcements are in the bulletin. The discipleship classes begin tonight. The RAD class and the Truth Project begin tonight. However, the new members class, if you want to be involved in that, you say, I, I want to know more about what this church believes. This is the class for you to come to. It will be at 5 o'clock beginning next Sunday. Um, you're going to want to come to that. Um, if you want to know more about this truth stuff, we're beginning a class this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Come. We'll make room. Um, and the RAD class is how to become a disciple of Christ. All three are going to be wonderful classes. Any other announcements that I have forsaken? come see Joel. Desperately, please come see Joel. Let's all stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, where is Shane? Shane, I need to see Shane. Shane, will you close us in a word of prayer?